Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we will go back to time, time and seasons past, when 22 men graced the record fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score yes. to bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia of the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, we're live from the Wally for Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards for one of the largest selections of football cards and vintage football memorabilia on the web. Check out their website at msbsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored in part by BSP Auctions. Check out their website and make sure you register for their upcoming fall incredible auction at bstauctions.com. It is at this time I would like to introduce my co-host, who is a senior <laughs> contributing writer to Good Iron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red yeah. Range. And also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larcher. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squire. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. <laughs> Excited to be here, Captain. Hope you, I'm glad you made it home safe from the uh, from the national, my man. And the topic of tonight's show, we're doing something a little different. We haven't done this in a few years. We're going to spend the entire 60 minutes of our show tonight, with the exception of several commercial breaks, talking about (laughs) the National Sports Collectors Convention, technically not in Cleveland, Ohio, but a little outside of Cleveland, Ohio, that we were both in attendance at several weeks ago, actually a couple weeks ago. Yep. I can't think of anything that people would like like to listen in on more than two old men talking about you know, the, the, the sports card national. Love it. I, I'll start off by saying it was very nice to see you, and I was very, very honored to be introduced to your wonderful son, Alexander there, who I'm sure had a very nice time. Um, he did. From what I could tell, looking at the stuff, uh, talking to a lot of football icons of the hobby, and uh, having <laughs> just a general fun time with his dad and a memory that he'll totally. never forget, I am sure, Yep. for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. And it was kind of, it was kind of cool because uh, I'd, 
uh, you know, Xander's listened in on a few of the podcasts before where, you know, I, I, you know, he knows I do them. And one, one time, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he's like, do you mind if I listen in? I'm like, yeah, you have to be absolutely quiet. Uh, yeah, of course you can do that. So he's listened in a few, into a few, uh, you know, I picked him up in a car once when I was doing the, doing the show, but so he knows who you were and he was very excited to meet the captain as you know, as he says, you know, and we, we lovingly refer to you as the captain or the ambassador of football. So he was, you know, <laughs> I get to meet the captain. Uh, he was excited for the national. I love seeing that excitement in young kids. I mean, he's nine and a half years old. He packed his bag three days before, uh, the show, uh, he laid his clothes out. What are we doing on Friday? What should I wear? We're we're going to dinner with a bunch of bunch of uh, collectors. Okay, so I should, should. Is this formal? Should I? Yeah, I want you to wear a button down shirt. Okay, is this shirt okay? I mean, it was it was really cool to see it. And you know, future future of the hobby, right there. We've said that. On, we've said that. You know, Bob, it's you know the future of the hobby. Where where is it where is it coming from? Not from wax pack rips. Although we did that. That was fun. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, it was just it was just so nice to see him and to see a young a young boy and and I saw a lot of young kids there who were generally excited about the hobby, generally excited yeah. about seeing the the cards and the memorabilia. I'm sure they were very yeah. excited if they were getting autographs from the their favorite players or whatever, and yeah. and, and that to me was very very nice to see. And I'll, I'll start off by saying, I, I had this discussion with a couple of uh, veteran hobbyists who uh, to me were just a little, a little too negative for me with regards to where they're, where, where they're seeing the hobby. And I said, hobby going. And I just said, you know, if you see the, the sheer volume of, of young children with, you know, with their grandparents or their, their parents or their aunts, uncles, whatever, mm. it, it, you know, to me, it still, it still shows that there is strength in the hobby and it just got to continue to nurture yeah. it. And, Good you know, point. as much as there's issue, issues in football today and there's issues in all sports, and, I, you know, I hear the arguments over and over again, I still say mm-hmm. there's going to be a niche for young people to start to collect, and they're going to collect, and they're, they're going to be collectors, you know, through most of their life. And I, I yes. can see that at this Hopefully. show. I, 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 was, I was very, very uh, pleasantly surprised by what I saw. Well, look, kind of a tangent. I mean, the entire show is, you know, built on, you know, tangents during story times. So, uh, uh, but my, my wife's, you know, sister, you know, brother-in-law and three kids were here. Well, one of their kids, uh, you know, got a baseball scholarship for Virginia Tech where he's a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And their dad was a professional pitcher for two years. Uh, so chip off the old block, pitcher. Well, we all went to breakfast and, you know, and somehow the conversation turned to sports cards and, Here's a 20-year-old kid who's talking about sports cards, and he's like, well, tell me about this one and this one. Do you have a Mickey Mantle card, and do you have this? And and, and we just started talking about cards. Next thing you know, Mm -hmm. he's on a website. uh, And he's like, well, how'd you get into cards? And, uh, you know, I told him, you know, my story of, you know, wax packs, you know, when I was, you know, seven or eight. And his dad's like, yep, I would go into my dad's suits. And, uh, you know, when he came from work, and I'd, shake them and listen for the jingle. And I'd pull the change out of his pocket. I'd go buy, you know, nickel packs or, you know, know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's like, I think my dad put change in there on purpose because he just loved seeing me come home with cards. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that put a smile on my face. The hard Mm -hmm. part is Mm -hmm. nowadays you don't get, you don't get wax packs for a quarter or 50 cents or a dollar. (laughs) You know, wax packs are, are, are lotteries, you know, and kids can't afford it. So that, that's the only that's the only hang up to our hobby being passed on to the next generation that I see is just you know you know wax well, packs why, aren't you know commiserate to to what they were when we were kids. And that's why I, I always like Tops because Tops had inevitably every year up to 2015 their you know their base mm-hmm. one packs that you could buy for a buck a pack at a Target or a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I used to buy packs that way. I saw kids buy packs that way, and and I think that was that was very healthy for the hobby. Now I I have not put a set together for sixteen or seventeen, so I know Panini has a low end or a base set that they're offering, you know, for less expensive. And I believe, don't quote me, it's five cards in a pack for ninety nine cents, <laughs> and uh, that's their marketing uh, to a younger, you know, a young kid to try to get them to collect. 
I don't know how effective it yeah. is. I'm not going to make any comments on it one way or the other because I'm not buying the product anymore. But again, I do agree with you. You know, some some cost of of these wax are uh, very cost prohibitive. I really wanted just to buy a box of something there and just break it at the table. You know, any kid that came by, mm-hmm. in fact, when I'm breaking, what it looks like. Yep. You know that type of thing. Yeah. But I I just didn't I just didn't get out enough on the floor to to see who had what. And I wasn't really choked up. I didn't want to spend the hundred dollars for a box just to break it open, you know, type of thing. So, uh, you know, well, didn't whatever. one year you but, and I, uh, you and I, uh, I, I brought a bunch of wa- boxes of wax packs, and you and I, you signed up for Gridiron Greats, you know, got a lottery draw, and you could win a yeah, wax pack. Yeah. It was like an eighty-nine Pacific Steve Larsen wax pack, an eighty-eight, yeah. you know, and, and you know, and obviously the chase was, you know, an eighty-four and an eighty-six. I think so. Yep, yep. That was, you know. I believe that was in, we did that in Baltimore. So uh, I think it was, so, yeah. it was very interesting. Very interesting. I love that. To say the least. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm also going to also going to talk a little bit about um, the the sheer layout of that convention center in Cleveland mm-hmm. is yep. conducive for some dealers and not as conducive to other dealers because I I realized the first day that we were there that where we were we were more near the east entrance which is more the dealer the VIP entrance the general mission was on the opposite side of the convention center and what we had noticed through oh, the course yeah. of the the four days that we were I was set up there is that most people ended navigated to the upper half of the tables and to the autograph area. Mm-hmm. By the time they got down to our area, yeah, they were either a yep. running out of time, ran out of Fired. money, or whatever the case mm-hmm. was. And that might have. Not and that's been a good point because, yeah, the best uh, for no, dealers. No, that's, that's a good point. Titles. Yeah, because I, uh, you know, I stayed, you know, at the hotel, and the hotel uh, it was the opposite for me, Bob, because uh, I stayed at the hotel mm-hmm. Sheraton, and the Sheraton. Uh, had a shuttle that drove us from the IX center to the hotel and it would drop us off on the West end. So mm-hmm. I, I gained access through the West end and started on, on that row, row like 23 and started working my way through the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't make it all the way to rows one and two until the last day of the show. Uh, so I had no idea yep. a lot of the big auction houses were down at that end. Uh, it, you know, so I, I did it the opposite way, but you're right. I didn't make it to the other end until later on. Uh, yeah, but the main entrance was on that east end. Here. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. Hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it was a comment I heard from some several dealers in our general location. We were uh, in tables eighteen twenty four, eighteen twenty eight, which was row eighteen hundred. So we were, like I said, very uh, to the other side of the convention center, and it was to me I, that was a scenario that I that I, I uh, saw Chicago for whatever reason seems to be more open and because there's only one entrance for the admissions, it seems like everybody, you know, kind of just goes through the show from a, a general or a base starting point and then they work their way around so on and so forth. So I think it's a little more or a little better for the dealers, even if the dealers in a more obscure location that the people will pass through it type of thing. Uh, Cleveland, I, re- I remembered that from four years ago when I was set up there that that was an issue there were people walking around. Atlantic City was completely different because, again, there was only one entrance there. And uh, where we set up, set up, we were very close to the entrance. So it was kind of interesting to see uh, some people actually stopped as soon as they walked in, and then other people made a really quick mm-hmm. uh, walk around and then came back, you know, and studied the table yeah. a little more closely type of thing. So all right, let's let's go uh, well, on here. I I didn't I did not get a good you know I'm going to apologize because I did not get a good good walk around of the show. I I went to several <laughs> dealers and I knew uh, I was in hot in hot pursuit of trying to get one Taps insert the 1965 Taps rub off Magic Emblem of the Raiders to finish my set. I had uh, set uh, several guys out who were walking the floor, including Jeff Payne. And asked them if you see it, just pick it up for me. Um, and no one, yeah. but but no one found it. And um, according to a couple of the guys, they were they were a little disappointed in the football offering there. What's your comment, if any, 
as to what was available on the show. Let's start with cards and looking at cards. Yeah, and we we briefly discussed this while we were at uh, at the show, but I I, uh, I didn't notice a lot of vintage. Uh, you know, forty eight leaf and pre, uh, there wasn't a lot of it out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially, you know, you know my you know my collection. I mean, I'm looking for yeah, yeah. postcards and photos and oddball cards of Jim Thorpe and Red Grange. I mean, most of this stuff is pre forty eight, uh, if if not all of it actually. Uh, so I mean, I I didn't I, I I didn't buy one thing other than a Lego set for my son. Wow! Example. I mean, he, I, yeah, you know, drove yeah. him two thousand or flew him two thousand miles for the sports car show, and he bought a bought a Lego set. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, uh, and he did an excellent I job watched. of putting it together. I was watching him putting it together. <laughs> it was very very fascinating. He brought me back some nice memories yeah. of putting a model together back in the sixties. So it was pretty cool. Thanks for loading the cool. table space, by the way, Captain. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I have a picture of him. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, putting it together. But I, so I got, I wanted the floor and I made it, uh, I, I, I got to see what I, what I wanted to see antique sports, you know, uh, you know, Keith Javik, uh, you know, love of the game, obviously our yeah. know, guys at yeah. DST. Uh, I, I got to see, you know, the people I wanted to see. I got, I got to walk what I wanted. I just, I wasn't, I didn't see a lot of vintage, uh, and I'm also on the prowl for uncut sheets. And I, I saw zero football uncut sheets as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of vintage that I noticed uh, as in years past. Uh, you know, yeah, how about you? Well, the, my biggest um, comment I got from some serious football guys, including um, Mike Rich, who we had on the show, who's a pure collector. Mm, yeah. um, uh, Mike basically said he was very disappointed trying to find what he was looking for. And again, Mike was looking for a lot of oddball stuff. I personally did not see a lot of oddball football. And I did bring a handful of things for my table. Naturally, I bring more of the Gridiron Greats magazine, but I I do bring a spattering of cards. I always bring a a pile of cards to give away to kids going by. And I I brought a little mix of, of a few cards here and there. And uh, one guy ended up buying, I, I brought a, a couple of my duplicate 65 rub-offs with me. And one guy commented, he says, I need Kansas and I need the Jets. I had the Jets one at my table, so he bought it from me. And he said, I, I've walked this entire show and I cannot find the Kansas rub-off. So I said to him, I'm looking for a Raiders rub-off. So he said, all right, if I find it, I'll let you know. But he finally found the Kansas rub-off from a, a, a dealer <laughs> Who, who apparently didn't want to sell it for whatever reason, but he finally ended up selling it to him, and he was able to finish his set. But he, um, and I remember this guy because I've seen him in Chicago several times, and he does collect that ball football. He, he said it. He just couldn't find a lot of stuff. Mike Rich said the same thing. He couldn't wow. find a lot of stuff. So I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of surprised because when you, when you talk to National, you talk about the stuff you're mm-hmm. not going to see at your Saturday morning Yes. Plainville card show here in Connecticut. You know, you want to see stuff That's that you point. never see. And you want to, you know, yes. you're going to bring your extra cash so you can you can pick up what you need. Yes. And sadly, yeah. that, that that was not the case. And, you know, I said, I said to myself, I probably, I probably could have done much better, A, um, if I had brought a ton of oddball that I have, duplicates. But, again, the logistics of getting out there, I fly out there. You know, it's, it's just not easy to ship everything type of thing. So um, yeah, without a doubt, that's something I I found kind of uh, a little taken back by for this type of show because you figure Cleveland, you're going to see a ton of oddball Brown stuff, a ton of oddball Bengals stuff, a ton of oddball Steelers stuff, and you really didn't see any of it. And uh, Canadian Football League cards were at a premium. There was really hardly any anywhere, from what I heard. Uh, for those few CFL fans out there who are looking for for cards, uh, that was a disappointment uh, also. So again, not to not to beat up, uh, you know, not to beat it up, but not, not to be negative about yeah. it. I'm kind of surprised there was not more oddball football there. I really was, and I was yeah. very surprised about the amount of vintage football uh, that was that was not there either. Type of situation. Well, well, you summed it up there. It's the national is. 
you know, not the common stuff you see on eBay. It's supposed to be the whole, well, I can't say that on the radio, but, you know, holy crap, did you see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't bring enough money with me to buy that. I'm going to have to, you know, yeah. Uh, when I think of the National, it's dealers bringing their best stuff. It's people flying mm-hmm. in from around the country, around the world even, mm-hmm. to attend this National to find that perfect stuff. It's dealers Mm-hmm. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, setting up and showcasing, it's just, it, it is, it's the marquee, obviously. And uh, yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. there this year. And who knows, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe there's just uh, a lot of stuff hitting auction houses. So it was more, you know, but I mean, you know, it's almost another topic. I mean, you know, was the stuff there? It was just in auction house booths on display because I didn't see much mm-hmm. for sale that I could buy, but mm-hmm. I did see some pretty impressive stuff that was, you know, being showcased for up and coming auctions. And I'm, I'm hoping, I, you know, I'm going to throw this out. I was going to talk about this later in the show, but I might as well throw it out now while we're talking about it. I truly hope the National just doesn't turn into uh, autographs, uh, wax, or not wax, but pack uh, rips and auction Rips. <laughs> and that the, that the dealer, the traditional dealer who, you know, could yeah. be the weekend warrior <laughs> locally, but then, you know, makes the trek out once a year. I hope he or she mm-hmm. doesn't get boxed out anymore. And that's going to be a shame if that convention turns into that. You know what I mean? And I can, unfortunately, mm, yeah. I, I kind of can see it a little more, more, more so because there's two factors that are working against the dealer. The cost, the cost of setting up is enormous there. Yeah. That's understandable because you're getting X amount of people walking through the door daily, so on and so forth. And then you have your also you also have your living expenses because unless you're within a mm-hmm. short drive of, of the show, you're going to be yeah. you know staying at a hotel. You got to eat. You know you got transportation. Yeah. The the logistics of getting there back and forth. I stayed downtown with uh, Eric Stein at the uh, DoubleTree because oh. uh, it, to me I just I wanted to be downtown Cleveland. I wanted to be a little more um, to Sounds the downtown rom- area. Sounds more restaurants. And, you know, the cost, again, back and forth to the show every day, you're looking at almost $80 yeah. a day, you know, driving. And B, you know, the cost of the hotel is somewhat higher. But at the same time, you have more amenities there. So you're, you're more apt to be more, you know, enjoying it more. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's costly. You know, it's really costly. You know, you got to turn a lot of know. dollar cards if you think if you have any chance of breaking even at a show like that. So, yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. It's not like I yeah. can, you know, drive up here to Plainville. Uh, I use that example because that's that's one of the better shows here in Connecticut. Spend sixty dollars for two tables, and you know, set up for six hours, make three four hundred dollars, and then just drive home type of thing. So it's it's a different hmm. different mindset. Yeah, entirely I mean? different game. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously I'm not a dealer. I don't go there with the dealer mentality. I go there to see friends, uh, you know, hang out, you know, and, and hopefully wander the floor and, and pick up a few things, you know, mm-hmm. you know, well, all right. We are a little short on, on, uh, we're a little short on, you know, content there, you know, finding cards and sheets and stuff, but it was a, it was a good show. So, uh, you know, I, I, like I, like I mentioned, I go to the show to, uh, to see people. So mm-hmm. who did you see there mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you were impressed with? Well, it's, it's the, it, again, it's the socialization of the hobby. You know, you and I see yes. people we don't see all year. Uh, mm-hmm. Me more more so. I'm, I'm talking to dealers who I've known for 20, 30 years now, um, you know, from various shows, so on and so forth. Yeah. I see writers that I know for the past 20 years, that kind of thing. So, it's again, it's the socialization. You know, as Brenda always says, it's, it's, it's my uh, hobby vacation that I take once a year and I do enjoy it. And I, I do come back refreshed from it because it is nice to see everybody. It's nice to talk to everybody. It's a, it's basically five days of nonstop, you know, talk cards, uh, yep. meals, so on and so forth. And, and, and it is enjoyable and something that, you know, as you, as one gets older in the hobby, you appreciate those people even more so. 
as compared to yeah. 30 years ago. You know what I mean? And for me, it's it becomes more and more special every year to you know to see people yeah. that I know and to you know talk to dealers who I've known for years and and to to look at just look at the cards and the memorabilia. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gear somewhat here. Um, vintage football programs. Apparently, there were some here and there. Uh, what was your take on it, if seeing anything uh, odd and unusual? I know I, I, there was a couple dealers that had some nice older programs. Yes. Uh, got a chance to look at a few of them. What, what did you see out on, on the floor, if anything? I, I spent about 45, minute, 45 minutes at Keith Javik's, uh, you know, booth. He was uh, a few rows to the west of, of you, Bob. Uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. you don't know if you made it by him, but, you know, Keith's been a guest. Uh, I, I buy a lot of stuff from Keith. He just he has just mm-hmm. a, an inane ability to, to find cool stuff. Uh, you know what's mm-hmm. fascinating? I know I know so much about programs, uh, but what I'm used to seeing are old you know Illinois programs you know for Red Grains and you know stuff like that. And it was just funny. He had so many old programs, and it was just it. Uh, <laughs> when he, he pulled out a few, and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't have Illinois on it. And I, I can't even believe I said that. And he's like, oh, yeah. You know, it was just, it was funny. I just had a, had a brain fart there where I just, re, you know, just realized that not every program, you know, being sold out there, you know, doesn't involve Illinois. Uh, but no, it was just, uh, he had a great setup. Uh, he had a, he had an old, uh, an old Grange photo that was cut out that looked pretty cool. I, I decided to pass on, but you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, uh, Let's see here. There, I, I forget the name. You know, it's it's one of those. I tend to I tend to walk both sides of the aisle, walk one side and just head down, not making eye contact, just looking at what people have people have for display. And there's so much volume, you've got about ten seconds of walking by to grab my attention with what's in your display case, or else right, I'm just going right, to keep walking. Right. Uh, and right. then I walk down to the end of the aisle. I turn around and I walk the other way. Uh, I've tried to look at both sides of the aisle when I'm walking, but it, it just it's too much. Mm-hmm. And so I walk both sides down. That's my that's my setup. Uh, I usually carry a map of the map of the national, and if I see something I like or a booth that's curious, I pull out the map and I mark it, and then I keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, that was really what caught me. Uh, there was not much else. I mean, uh, you know, BST had a pretty amazing uh, set that was coming up in their auction. You know, Mayo set that was coming up in their auction. A shameless plug mm-hmm. there, but. Uh, there was uh, other than that, that, that you know, Keith's Keith booth booth was Keith booth. Say that three times fast. Was the one that uh, you know got my attention. You know, the, you know from the mm-hmm, beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How about you? Well, uh, there were two, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. I was going through my notes. There were neither aisles. Um, I forgot how which way they worked going up or down, there were like two aisles over from where we were in the 1800s. So they were either in the 1600s or the 2000. I think they were in the 2000 range. And he had a bunch of, of old, to be old programs from the 40s and 50s. A lot of obscure hmm. schools, uh, uh, some professional programs, a handful of things from the 30s. And unfortunately, I just didn't have enough time to go through what he was, what he had. I did ask him if he had anything old from the Packers, and he said uh, he did not have anything. He had more, more regional stuff, more college stuff. So I, I, I quickly hmm. looked through what what he had, uh, but I know he did have old programs, and they were they were relatively nice, and they were they were competitively pricey. He was not overcharging for them in any way, shape, or form. And, and I know he had stuff because uh, the day you, you've I, got to man the booth as well, you know. Yeah, well that. That's the whole thing. I mean, I can't. I just can't spend the time walking around, which it kind of reminds me. And I was going to talk a little bit about this, but I can interject it here. I remember the times that I I went to the national uh, way back when you know, Atlantic City. Uh, first time I was in Atlantic City, and it was such a joy to walk around for two days and and just go through everything possible. And the whole complexity of of what was on the floor was a lot different than what it is today. So you could find a lot of vintage mm. stuff. You could find a lot of old stuff. You could find a lot of cards you were looking for to finish sets at the same time. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool to do that. Wow. First time in Baltimore, 
Um, I went for one complete day, and that was nice, just walking around. And I picked up several things that that time. Second time in Baltimore, I set up with uh, John and Andy there at MSB at the time, and I uh, did not get a good good view of the whole of the whole show. But again, um, that dealer I, I saw and I did see his stuff. Keith's uh, booth, I was able just to go in real quick, and uh, I just basically said hi to him, and he came over to our table and talked to us a little. And uh, that, that was really it. There were apparently a couple other dealers that had some nice vintage programs, vintage paper, uh, but I hmm. did not have enough time to actually go through and, and see what they had. I did meet um, a couple of old pocket schedule collectors who I actually corresponded with oh, wow. over the years. First time I ever met them, uh, which was kind of funny. And they were showing me some of the stuff that they picked up, some early uh, schedules from the 30s and 40s, baseball, Nothing from for football, but uh, it was pretty cool stuff to see. But again, that's the stuff like you said before. That's what you're expecting to see there. Uh, you yes, gotta, you know, yes, absolutely. That's, that's what you're looking for more than anything else. So that's the stuff yeah. you want to see. You, know? you, Unfortunately, you, you and I should have a list a lot of. of it, a do- yeah, you and I should but, have a list uh, of a dozen things each that that blew our socks off. Um, and and yeah. you know, and it's got to be tough on your end. Uh, bringing my son to the national was a, you know, conscientious decision. It's like, I, I also recognize that he's not going to wander, going to want to wander halls up and down. You know, I, I gave him his own money said, you know, maybe back here in an hour and then I'd walk, uh, you know, so there was, you know, so I didn't get a walk it as thoroughly as I usually do in the past uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which, which I'm okay with, uh, you know, but, but so, perhaps I wasn't as focused as I usually am, but hearing, you know, a couple other people say, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it, the, the breadth of, you know, the offerings there wasn't what they're used to. At least mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't miss out on anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and the one, yeah, the did, one thing did I, did you buy anything? I, I, I bought a handful, believe it or not, there was a, um, a dealer, a few tables over and he had a big um, like dollar box, and I, I always like going through the junk boxes because I never know what I'm going to find. <laughs> so long story short, I made I made I spent a whopping ten dollars at the National on some 1971 <laughs> Kel- Kellogg's football cards that were in beautiful condition. And uh, I just said, oh, let me let me buy them. These are tough to find, anyways. And I was talking to the couple that was running that booth, and they were the ones commenting too that they they were not overly enthused with uh, what they were selling. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a rough sell. I mean, they had, a, they had a lot of other stuff there, but it was just, uh, it was fascinating to, to, you know, to see what they had in the dollar mm-hmm. box. And I know it was, uh, it was just basically trying to get people there. And then you look at the other stuff on the table and pick up a few other things. Yeah. You could actually make some money on the thing, but I did not buy any, didn't buy any Packer items. I did not. Um, I saw one, Packers 1960 yearbook, which is the yearbook I need to complete my run. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to physically look at the yearbook. However, it reminded me of the same yearbook because it was the same dealer in Chicago who had it, and he has a lot of Packers stuff. Uh, But I didn't even get a chance to talk to him because his boots was relatively busy when I was there that day. I didn't see any other Hmm. older yearbooks, uh, you know, for any football teams or anything like that, which I was surprised by I did notice um I bring a handful of sports illustrated star covers I, I brought some Steeler covers and brown covers and one mm-hmm. guy bought quite a few quite a few from me because he uses them for autographs <clears throat> and I forgot all about so the aspect of uh of signing and I had a oh. couple of football digest magazines that he bought those too but other than that I again I just didn't see what I expected to see at the show, and I, I think it's a, it's a twofolded issue. Didn't get to walk around the way I should have walked around. Yeah. But if you, yeah, you're you're basically you know what you're looking for. You know what you're what you're viewing, and if you're not seeing it, that that's an issue too. At the same time, I thought Chicago well, last year had a lot more vintage yeah, and oddball. Here's a here's another facet to that too, Captain. Is in the past I've been a set collector, so I've shown up. Yep, and go- yep. You know, thought to myself, every forty-eight, every every booth with forty-eight leaf, every booth with fifty-seven tops. I see uh, anybody mm-hmm. with, you know, I mean, I had lists that I, you know, that I carried with me. 
So if I saw 57 tops, I was pulling in to see if I could find a Zeke Brakowski, you know, card. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I stopped kind of being a set collector. Uh, now I'm right, more of a right, vintage, right. you know, a vintage collector. So if, if I walk by and I see somebody with, you know, modern football sitting there, I'm going to keep moving because I'm not, in right, you know, right. so it, a, a lot of it's how my, my collection has evolved or, or devolved, depending on how you look at it. Uh, you know, so maybe that's part of it. The, the national is amazing. It's, you know, if you, if you, there, there's always a diamond in the rough out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of fun wandering the halls and just seeing the breadth of, you know, what's for sale out there. It's, it's always impressive, you know? Well, I think, hmm. I think as any, as any collection matures and as any collector matures, you are looking for a much more specific things that you were looking for 20 years ago. Good point. And B, you're Good more point. you're more fussy and more particular in what you want to buy. You're just not going to buy something for the sake of buying it. And I, to me, that's the difference between a local show and a national show. I could go to yeah. a local show, and I can I can basically zero in on. Um, what I'm looking for, which is probably going to be two of the 20, 25 dealers that are there that might have any of it, and see what it what they have and make an offer on it, and I know I'm either mm-hmm. going to resell it, trade it, trade it, or keep it in my in my collection. And I'll use the example, and again I'll go to the Plainville show again. Uh, last time I was there, which was several months ago, dealer had on his table. Uh, a bunch of old reach football guides and a couple of uh, the NCAA collegiate guides from the forties and fifties. So mm-hmm. I put them all together and I, I said to the dealer, what are you looking for, for all of them? And he gave me a more than fair price because I know he didn't want to, they were not what he had on the table, <laughs> you know, meaning that he must've had these for years and he wanted to get rid of them. And, you know, to me they're a fascinating <laughs> historical read and again, I'll use them for inventory. I'm going to keep several. One I traded already. Uh, I brought a few to, to the national. I had a lot of interest in them, but nobody ended up buying them, which is fine. I mean, it's no big deal to me. But again, I, I just—that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. And again, yeah. I'm not looking for you know a hoard of 1991 Pro Set cards for five dollars <laughs> for a five thousand pound box. Type of thing, you know, and just, and unfortunately, that, that image popped into what my I, mind. What I was that, that image of that about, <laughs> I, What I was shocked about at the national, I didn't see any, you know, the five dollar, five thousand count boxes that any dealers were wholesaling out. And I, I figured yeah. I'd see a, at least a couple of dealers doing that. And there might have, again, I take that back. There might have been some dealers there, and I, I never got to see them that they had them or whatever type of thing. But that that's the kind of fun part of the national where. Another dealer will pick up inventory for his or her store, or they just pick up inventory yeah. for their own shows, and uh, you know they clear it out that way. And, and again, the running joke was, uh, where you know where I was set up, I was on the side table there. There was Absolutely. a guy, and I found out afterwards he was a dealer, and he basically picked the guys, uh, and the guy had all the monster boxes there of cards for a quarter each. I guess he bought out all the uh, different. Chicago teams. That's what he was looking for. And I guess he's hmm. an Illinois-based dealer, and, and he did this at a couple couple dealers, and then he spent the entire show. He had somebody running his table. Uh, I don't know if it was his wife, the kids, or whatever, and he was just picking cards for the for his own inventory. So I thought that was pretty oh, interesting wow. to see. So, But again, yeah. that's, that's that's a classic show. That's what that's what you do at a bigger show, especially if you got a store yeah. and you got a you know, well, a big uh, yeah. local following type of, you know. Well, and I, I so, arrived, uh, you know, to Cleveland Thursday, you know, around three. And so by the time I made it to my hotel, you know, I didn't, it was, there was no time to go to the show. Uh, mm-hmm. What percentage of action happens pre-Thursday even, and especially pre-Friday? I mean, you've got dealer well, setups. I've, I've heard there's people who walk around just, you know, buying entire tables out. I mean, yeah, I mean, so – I got to say this, Wednesday night was my best uh, day of the show. <laughs> I had a oh, couple guys. Me. Yeah, I'm dead serious. I had a couple guys there. They, they, they bought a lot of stuff. And um, Saturday, which I thought would be the, a better day of the show, was my worst day of the show. I barely sold anything. And, um, again, packing everything to bring home, 
Um, mm-hmm. I did, you know, I did get rid of a lot of stuff, but at the same time, I, I was just, I was just shocked at the Saturday crowd and how little they bought. Wednesday night was my best, best uh, day of the show, even better than I did in the past. Um, past shows, <laughs> uh, Atlantic City Wednesday was my best day of the show, but I had four very, very strong days that whole week. And I think it was just because I brought stuff I knew people would be looking for. And it was a completely different crowd than what you saw at normal nationals. You had a lot of local people from the tri-state area in Pennsylvania going into oh, the show. And, and people were buying. I mean, they were, they were impulse buying. The kids were buying. It, it, was, it was a fun show for me. to. It, it reminded me of, of an old-time um, it should be bigger show here in the, in Connecticut that I used to set up at and that people were there, they got in, they bought, and um, it, it was, it was just more, more of a fun show. Cleveland was a Wednesday early admission show Thursday to a certain degree. And then Friday and Saturday, I, I was just shocked at how little uh, traffic we saw and what we saw, what I saw, you know, not, not hmm. other people. But that was just, so that was just how me. much of, how much of the good stuff, quote unquote, gets bought and sold by dealers prior to any public eyes seeing it? I mean, I think a lot of these dealers know each other. So it's like, hey, Ed, you know, you want to sit well, here for I, three more days? My, and you know. my, my gut feeling is the mentality at a national is you got somebody that picks up something, they make an offer, you're taking the offer because you got too big of a nut to, to try to crack there. So, you know, even if you got a – I'll use the example. You got a $100 item somebody offers you $70 for on Wednesday, you take it type of thing. And even if you only make, hmm. you know, 5 or $10 instead of $30 on it, you're going to sell it type of thing, you know, that, that, that kind of situation. I traditionally do well on the early admission day, and I've traditionally done very well um, – in Chicago several years ago on the Wednesday, Atlantic City on the Wednesday, and now Cleveland, both times in Cleveland on Wednesday. Um, I, I, I am surprised I made more in 2014 gross than I did this year. And I had a, to me, I had a better mix this time than I did in 14. So I thought that was kind of interesting at the same time. And we also brought a ton of uh, GG's, the magazine current issue to the, Yes. Hall of Fame game, uh, and uh, I had a couple of people giving them out there. So we'll, we're going to see what happens from that as far as subscription sales, so on and so forth. So that takes yeah. about how'd a you, month. How'd you do on? Yeah, and how'd, how'd you do on Gridiron Great subscriptions? I always enjoy standing well, you did, up at you, you, your booth you and were selling the, people. The anchor for that one gentleman. <laughs> He definitely bought it, and he was, he was very – I wrote him a thank you note to him. I mailed it to him the other day, and uh, it, it, that was that was an interesting uh, experience. I, you know, I sold several subscriptions, but again, not as many as last time. I did sell a lot of back issues to the people who bought the Cleveland-based issues uh, before. I recognized a few of the people. We ended up talking about it, and – and that was that was it. If I had more brown stuff, I probably would have. I sold every Cleveland Brown item I brought, <laughs> publication wise. I could have brought. Oh wow, more that surprises me. I would have sold even more. Well, surprises me. Well, I guess it's you know if you're coming to the show, you're you know there's there are people who come to the show who are just it's locals and that's it. So. Right, right, right. There there were two there were two older fellows so I, they remembered me. I remember them from 2014. And uh, we ended up having a nice conversation. And they said, they're local collectors. They're older collectors. They basically only buy brown stuff now. And um, they, they enjoy walking around and seeing what, they, what, they, what uh, was available. But one, the one fellow that I talked to on Thursday, he said there was a lot more brown stuff in 2014 than there was at this show. I thought that was interesting to, 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 to hear. Uh, one other point, naturally there were a ton of autograph guests there. Uh, your take on it and one comment on Jimmy Brown, he signed apparently <laughs> for $100 at 14 His signature was up to, I believe, 140 at this show. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Jim Brown, greatest running back of all time. Uh, I mean, there's people who have more yards than him, but 
Jim Brown, greatest running back of all time. Uh, yeah, he can he can charge whatever the hell he wants. He's 80 years old. Uh, right. You know, and at some point, you know, at some point he's not going to be able to sign anymore for you know for you know. So I mean, there's certain people who can charge whatever the hell they want, and uh, and I'll 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 you know, you know who do I who do I hand the check to? Uh, you know, and then there's certain people who get greedy about it. I mean, you know, what's what's Tom Brady's signature going for now? I mean, somebody somebody mentioned that to me as, you know, two hundred fifty, four hundred bucks. Right. I mean, right, right. you know that, that that's that's, that's, that's usury kind of, right there. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I you know, in all honesty, if you would have told me Jim Brown's autograph was two hundred dollars, I wouldn't have blinked an eye. Uh, it's Jim Brown. <laughs> you know, I mean. Uh, yeah, I I wish I would have paid more attention to who was signing. I looked through who was signing because I wasn't sure if I was going to get a VIP pass to get signatures. Uh, I was looking to see if Steve Largent was signing, and on the on, on the national website it didn't have him listed, but apparently mm-hmm. Steve Largent was there signing, but it was on a different website, and I absolutely missed it. Uh, I landed Thursday at three. And apparently, Mr. Largent stopped signing at three o'clock. And when somebody told me that, I thought they were joking, you know, to kind of bust my chops. And I later learned. I, I got to you know, say this: Steve Largent I was not, there I signing. I was unaware either. I was unaware either that he was signing. I had no clue. I had no clue. I did not see anything. And you're correct. I didn't see it on the website, so I don't know if he was a late addition or what. Yeah. I don't know what happened. So. You're kidding me. I I would have. I would have uh, I would have flown in earlier. I mean, I, I caught a 6:30 a.m. flight out of Portland, but I would have flown in earlier. Maybe I would have come mm-hmm, in the day mm-hmm. before. Uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I pulled Xander out of school on a Friday and drove up to Seattle from Portland, which is three and you know three and a quarter hours each way, and missed you know large and signing by about 20 people in line. Uh, wow! You know, so there, you know, wow. yeah, would I wow. would would I've spent a little extra time for a guaranteed signature? Hell yeah, I would have. Uh, yeah, so yeah. shame on me. I need to pay attention a little bit more who's signing, but you know, Hey, uh, whoever puts this national together, it, it'd be really smart if you'd kind of consolidate, uh, consolidate websites or consolidate who's signing when, because uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have flown in a day earlier and I would have bought VIP passes. So, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. for, for whatever it's worth, who knows, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Steve will be signing, you know, next year and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fly out. It's in Chicago next year. Isn't he seems to be signing like one or two shows a year now, from what I'm seeing. So yeah. he's he's definitely out there more so than before. Well, and, well, and I, I think I told you while we were sitting at your booth, my 2019 business goal, you know, that I shared with all of my employees was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to bring Steve Largent in for our Christmas party in 2019. So mm-hmm. Largent 2019 is, uh, you know, is our goal, <laughs> one of our goals. <laughs> And yeah, when we look at it, it's like, all right, what do you, what do you guys got going on? What do you guys got going price, on? Here? You need so. science and stuff? <laughs> yeah. No, we just want you to come have dinner with us. Uh, that was a little bit of a white elephant, you know. Uh, but you know, hey, just, yeah. that's yeah. it. Just yeah. attend a Christmas party. Yeah, that's it. That's it, Steve. It'll be pretty fun. So, but we're we're gonna we're gonna bring Largen in for our 2019 Christmas party. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'll, uh, I'll keep cool. you apprised of that. Well, let me know because uh, maybe I can. Uh, Sneak in the back door there and uh, surprise <laughs> Brendan. I'll come in for the for the dinner and just say we're we're uh, East Coast customers of uh, Squares yeah. Electric there. So that would be See, funny. That'd yeah. be funny. Oh, I uh, want to I want to touch upon a little too. And I know you saw it more than me. There was a bunch of unopened football wax at um, yeah. I don't know if it was at auction or, or fill me in on that because I did I didn't get a good handle on that. Oh, uh, the BBC, you know, as oh, BBC, excuse me, uh, uh, as always, just off the hook for what they have offered. And uh, I sold a bunch of, I sold all of my wax, you know, about three or four years ago after hearing uh, mm-hmm. some horror stories about wax from a couple of our guests. And uh, mm-hmm. 84, I mean, I've got my thumb in the pulse of what that stuff should cost and what it looks like. And it was just, I remember buying boxes of, you know, 80, 84 football. And my rule of thumb was if it's under $500, you know, 450 to $500 and it's in good shape, buy it. 
At one point, mm-hmm. I owned about mm-hmm. 20 boxes of 84 tops, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I just started selling them. Well, they had uh, 84 tops for sale, BBC sealed for $1,200 uh, there. And I'm like, man, the price of that has gone up. That has tripled in probably six years. Name another right. commodity right. that has tripled in six years. Uh, it's right. just, and they're not making it anymore. Well, there's a guy named Jose, you know, who lives in, you know, Pennsylvania, who's making more of it right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, uh, that's for another topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's the skeptical side of me with some of this stuff. Uh, but amazing just to see, uh, you know, I brought some 86 tops football to, uh, to our dinner and we opened mm-hmm. up. I love how you slow rolled your slow rolled your wax packs, captain. You're, you're definitely old school. I love seeing it. <laughs> it, was, it was you, did, you did it a, a great job. Fun. Yeah. Was the gum wasn't uh, so uh, good. Uh, say that again. The gum wasn't so good, but the cards were good. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I still don't suggest eating because I saw a few people do that. And I don't think that's no. wise. But uh, it, it's so much fun to open a, uh, an old wax pack like that. And, uh, you know, talking yeah. about the 84, 84 wax, I, I can remember shows in 85 and 86 where you would see the black line through the box, so they were the tops uh, returns yes. a lot of dealers would have. Yes. But they kept saying, you know, there, there's a couple good cards in this 84 set, Marino and Elway. You know, I don't think I want to sell these boxes for $10. I think I want 20 bucks for it. And at, at that time, at a show, like, wow, come on, you're crazy. You're gonna, you know, you, we know you paid 5 bucks a box for them. Why do you want to sell them for 20 bucks for it? Why don't you want to turn them over? A couple guys, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to it type of thing. So, yeah, who knows? Show. Show an 85, I'm set up to one of these guys, and, and I'm saying, well, I said, would you do any better on two boxes? He said, well, you're a dealer. He said, I'll, get, I'll give you two boxes for 30. I said, okay, that's fair. And I ended up, I remember breaking open one of the boxes at the show. It was pretty slow. And I forgot how many Marino and Elway rookies I got. So I would sleeve them, and I would put them out for like $2 each, and I would get them. And, uh, you know, I thought that was phenomenal. You know, I'm getting $2 <laughs> for a card out of the 84 pack. I held on to that other 84 box, 88, 89, the explosion starts. And I think I got like 50 yeah. bucks for, for the box at that time. So I, I made a, I made a ton of money, Joe, on that. Wow. Ooh, that really put me over. So, but again, those days, uh, that's how, how, how things operate, you know, that's why I'm just so yeah. floored at, at the prices of wax. It's just, it's just amazing to me. Truly amazing. Well, I so got an even better deal. I, I, I remember walking into a Seven Eleven and plunking a dollar down and getting four wax packs. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's uh, you know all this stuff goes up, and uh, it's amazing. You know, they're not making it's amazing. Anymore, I, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're not the, making uh, any more of it. So, Chicago show last oh, year, I, I brought a couple seventy eight packs, and uh, two guys who I knew were collectors. They, they, I, they, I only had two packs. They bought them, no questions asked. So they said they were looking for anything old. I said, yeah, I got some old packs at home, but I said, uh, they're mine. One day I may just bring them and uh, break them open um, at the dinner and, sure. and be done with it. Well, that was that one show uh, I brought the 70s. Uh, you weren't there. The uh, I bought a one of my 76 packs to a show, and I opened it, and I did not get, I did not get a Peyton rookie. I, I got 15 Cameron cards. But they were very nice. They were, they were all crisp, with the exceptional one. So it was, it was a nice nice pull. But again, that's a pack I bought when I was back in '76 when I kept yeah. it. So yeah, you know, it was a, I don't know. All right, we're gonna, it, we're really, it, it, we're it makes really, me. Go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say it just makes me nostalgic just to see football. You know, wax. I just I absolutely love it. It is fun. You know. Yeah. It's 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 great fun. We only got about six minutes left. I can't believe how fast this hour went. What other highlights can we talk about real quick? We're we're down down to less than six minutes. Well, one of the topics we touched on is I want to talk about the people that we met at the show, the people that we bumped into, the people that we hang out with. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Blaisdell from Seattle, obviously hung out with him quite a bit. Super collector, mm-hmm. uh, you know, senior contributing writer, uh, you know, senior senior contributing writer to Grand Greats. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the guy knows more about football, you, you know, than I'll ever know. And it's just, mm-hmm. what a nice guy, humble guy, always love hanging out mm-hmm. with him. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously the ambassador of football, 
<laughs> I did love <laughs> when I was trying to sell grid on great subscriptions. I, you know, people walk by and I'm like, you know, I just, I look for anybody wearing anything football. You know, a guy walks by in a Cleveland Browns he's like football fan. Yeah. Uh, you really can't call yourself a football fan. Uh, have you, you, know, you really can't call yourself a football fan unless you have a subscription to Gridiron Greats. You get, yeah, it is the premier football publication. Do you have a subscription? No, I don't. Would you like to buy one? It's published by Bob Swick. Uh, he's, and here he is. This is, the Bob, this is Bob Swick, the captain, the ambassador of football, the publisher. He'll autograph a copy if you buy it you know, right now. I mean, I, just, I, I absolutely love talking <laughs> to people you know, about that. You obviously love hanging out with you. You were so good to my son, Bob, and I just I and this, oh, this is love, more than a hobby. This is more than stuff. Yep, I, I more than stuff, when more I than came. a hobby. I love it. Mm-hmm. I said to Brenda yeah. when I came home, I would give anything to have a grandson like your son. That's what I, I told my daughter. That's what I'm looking for right now. So let's find <laughs> let's find the husband and let's let's get moving here. I'm getting older. Let's get. My clock is ticking too. So but he, what a wonderful. Oh, that's so funny. I, oh, oh, I, I just Thank fell in you. love with him. So, as soon as I met him, man, I said, "Wow!" I said, "You and uh, you and your wife really did a wonderful job." Or I can only imagine your daughter no. the same way. So that's yeah, cool. that's really cool. Crazier. Well, thank you. Uh, obviously, uh, you know John and Andy. You know, from BST, yep, yep. hung out with them, had dinner yep. with them, and you yep. Thursday night. Yep. Uh, yep. Always classy. Yep. Just. Always hospitable. Loved hanging out with them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, f- football guy. I mean, just our, our, our football contingency is just so right. cool. Right. It's so tight. Eric Stang, like I said, your roommate. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I just, uh, just such good people and classy people. You know, it's just. It's, it's, yeah, it's the part of, of the hobby. The part of the hobby that I think it really goes unspoken for too long. And I think over the past 10 years, I think because of the magazine, the podcast, the changes we've yes. seen in the hobby, I think people see that camaraderie in the football group, the football collectors that we see throughout the country. You know, they, we're, we're talking about some people who, who, you know, like a Mike Blaisdell has been in the hobby for, you know, as more years than me probably. <laughs> it, it, it's just incredible. <laughs> Incredible to see, incredible to talk about. And, and uh, Jeff Payne, got to see him. Jeff talk Payne, to him briefly. Yep. Uh, uh, I Eric, apologize, uh, Jeff, I his, forgot. Uh, Eric Stang with his Viking collection. I had a really you know great visit with him, you, uh, yep. John and Andy. It, it was so nice. It was, it was just really, really very, very pleasurable. And like I said, it's, it's to me a great refreshing time for me to, to get back to my roots, get back to the hobby. Um, you, you see my little by, my byline now, football 24-7-365. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it really, it, it does mean a lot for the simple reason, you know, it's it, it's cool. It's cool. It's Football is fun. Football card collecting, football yeah. memorabilia collecting, football history is a lot of fun. And there's, there's no doubt about it. All right, we're down to a two-minute warning. I got a, I got a quick commercial break here. Again, check out MSB Sports Cards at their website, msbsportscards.com, and BST Auctions, bstauctions.com, for an incredible auction coming up that we're going to be talking about on a future show of your 1894 Mayo Cut Plug set. Wrap it up. Uh, Mayo, Mayo. Hand off to you. We've got a minute and a half. Final thoughts. In one and a half hours, I will be taking my son to football practice. Nine and a half years old, his first football practice. He's nervous, but <laughs> looking forward to it. I'm taking wow. a fold-out chair and a cooler with some Gatorade and water for some of the other kids that we know. Football cool. practice. Cool. Football. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Wow. What a, what a day. You got a podcast and you got your son's first yeah. practice. Uh, that is, that is really football twenty four seven. Football twenty four seven, sir. <laughs> that's very so, that's great. I'm excited. Well, well, he, Mike, uh, the coach picked him out about a year ago. He was we were playing some football up up at a park, and he came along, and you know the, the coach came along with a couple of his kids, and wanted and Xander wanted to play, and half an hour later he's like, "Hey man, you you want to come out for football next year?" So, wow, I'm pretty excited. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. For 30 seconds, my quick wrap-up. 
again, I, I treasure the time that I have talking to the football hobby icons that I was able to talk to during the week. The Boysdales, the Squires, the Beckers, the Spanos, the Stangs, uh, the Paynes. Uh, it's just so great, so refreshing. It's wonderful to talk to. And that's where yeah, I'm going to leave it absolutely. right now because we're out of time. We're going to have a couple of shows coming up at the end of the month. i got a few guests coming, uh, lining up, uh, and uh, we'll be giving you information. Thanks for listening. Joe, thanks for being on. Enjoy the practice. And we'll be talking was a pleasure, sir. Uh, in the very near future. Take care. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already... We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.